this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Anchor. If you don't know what Anchor is and you're thinking about starting a podcast, you should probably find out what Anchor is because Anchor is a free way to host your podcasts. It also gives you creation tools like the ability to record yourself, record with other people, edit as well, and do it from your phone or your computer. You don't need to go buy fancy tools to start. You can start with Anchor. And you can hit the nice distribute button, and it's going to send it out to all the places you want it to be, like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and more. In addition to that, you can make money from your podcast with no basic listenership. In other words, if you only have 10 people because you're just starting, you can still monetize that. It's really hard to find a better place to start. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm and get started on the crazy podcast journey. Okay, here we are for episode number 755. I don't know. How many has it been? Who knows? I, I, we've got to be up in the mid-80s by now. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> oh, man. Friday recording again. I, I kind of like the Friday recordings. It's almost like a week recap. Yeah, I kind of like that, too. Just because, um, you know, with, with Wednesday, it just felt like we were jumping right into the middle of our week. So nothing was really done and nothing was really... Like we were, we still had stuff to look forward to, but nothing was complete. So we're always kind of frustrated too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, uh, I have a confession to make. I'm doing it, man. I think I'm bailing on OneNote. Uh, yeah, I was curious on that one. I saw, I saw your your thing on that. What would, all right, you gotta you gotta fill me in as to why here. I just it's there's so much complexity to all of these things, and I'm just I feel like I'm wasting so much time middling around with all of the features. That I'm not getting the stuff I need done, done in a reasonable rate, because I'm playing around with. Oh, let me put this here, and let me make sure this is bold, and let me make sure this has a link to this. And most of the time, I don't even end up needing any of the stuff that I'm setting up. It's just I'm using it because it's there. So I don't know. I haven't. I'm bailing on it, but I haven't found where I'm bailing to yet. I have three strong competitors. We'll say. And all of them have their flaws. <laughs> sure. Of course, right? I mean, I, I'm just waiting for, for the day, and I imagine we're probably not far off from that when you just whip out the old notebook again, dude. <laughs> oh, the notebook never went anywhere. As a matter of fact, that was the whole subject of today's vlog. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, I 
I record everything on paper, but then I copy it down from paper into digital for later. So there's there's another reason why all these features aren't as important to, for me mm-hmm. is because I'm not doing a lot of capturing in these apps. Gotcha. I'm just inputting, right? Yeah. So the three that I'm looking at, and I'll tell you the problems, and maybe you can help me sort my, <laughs> sort my thoughts on this. <laughs> Uh, so obviously number one, Apple notes, it's been something that's come up in every conversation that we've had about notes and note apps. It's clean. It's simple. Um, my problems with it is the amount of notes I have and the organization of it would be kind of a mess once you put that many notes in there. Sure. And number two, half the time I'm working on a computer, especially when I'm working on my large screen, I'm working on a PC. Mm-hmm. And the iCloud.com interface for notes, which is the only way to access notes on a PC, is awful. I mean, yeah. like I was I was putting stuff in and it was throwing in spaces yesterday because I was testing it out. I'm like, I didn't put that there. But then I go back and reload the page and the space wouldn't be there. I, I just don't know if I can deal with that. So there's there's that one. Simple note, which we've talked about before as well. Um, the problem with Simple Note would be the same problem as Apple Notes. The organization is exactly the same. Yeah. You've got one folder level, except they call them tags, which is kind of nice because then you could technically throw something in two places, but then now we're getting back into complexity. But no formatting mm-hmm. at all and no photos. I don't use a lot of images in, in there, but it would be nice to have the option if I had to. Sure. And then last is one that a lot of people probably don't know what this is. You might not even know what this is. It's called Workflowy. I've heard of it, yeah. Workflowy is actually the top competitor right now. Um, Essentially what Workflowy is, is a giant outline. So all of your, everything is in an outline of a collapsible outline. And I do love outline structure. So essentially you don't have folders, you don't have anything. You have one document. But on your top level is where you're going to create your folders is your first tier of your outline. Mm -hmm. And then when you click that, it drops down and it drops down. And the thing about Workflowy and SimpleNote, as a matter of fact, is the search on both of them is lightning fast. And it's really, really strong. Um, They do one thing that Apple Notes doesn't do. So Apple Notes, when you search for something, it'll tell you that something's in a note. But when you open that note, it doesn't show you where that word is. It doesn't highlight it. it doesn't. Yeah, yeah. And when you have longer documents, that's kind of important, especially when you're looking for information. Uh, sure. Workflowy and uh, Simple Note both do that. So it's it's kind of it's kind of nice. The only flaw, once again, with for- Workflowy is the interface probably hasn't been updated in five years. I don't know if it needs to be because the features aren't changing, but the iPhone app is not perfect, I guess, is the way to say it. Uh, the, the problem, though, is, I mean, what level of support will you have on that? If the, like, I, I know with a few of the my beloved apps, I can't even think of any of them right now, but um, there are some that, that stopped being supported by their original programmers, and so after a certain update, they just no longer work properly. So that could be a problem. Yeah, the only thing I don't think Workflow is going anywhere because they've been around for a really, really, really long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I might be exaggerating. I'm actually looking right now, so I can, if I can see, um, and I feel like they're owned by somebody. 
like I want to say like they're owned by Automatic, but that's who owns Simple Note, I believe. I might be confusing all of my information. I've been reading a lot about this in the last few days. Um, and there's uh, another thing I should point out to you and to the listeners. Apple Notes, of course, if you have an iPhone, it's free. Simple Note is free. Workflowy costs money. Um, I don't know. It's it's it sounds like a ridiculous thing to people who don't know me very well, but my note collection. You and I were just talking about this yesterday. My note collection is extensive. Yeah, and I use it frequently. For example, in in my recent vlogs, now that I'm focusing on themes and going into, I'm really digging into ideas more. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm typing these words of these themes into right now into OneNote to pull up, see if there's any pertinent quotes that I can enhance my vlog with. This is data that I'm pulling up on a daily basis. So finding the right note app is actually number one on my priority list in life right now. Sure. That makes sense. And I I just, it's so frustrating because I know what I want and nobody makes it exactly the way I want it. Well, I guess the the question really comes down to how, because Apple Notes is, it, it sounds like a good option. It's just, yeah, you're right. The PC interface is so garbage um, that it's it's almost unusable. It's it's so annoying. Plus, I mean, the, and I don't know if you have these issues as well. Um, I remember us talking about this at some point, but the sync speed on Apple Notes is so ridiculously slow um, that I, it's it's almost unusable from that perspective too. I think they've been working on that because I did test that yesterday and I was surprised because I expected that. They, uh, I think they may be working on that, which I'm, what I'm hoping is maybe there's something in the works. Last night, I opened up the uh, iCloud.com interface, like I was saying, mm-hmm. and, I, and I was typing, uh, granted, I wasn't typing large amounts of text, but I was typing a couple of letters in and just watching both of them side by side mm-hmm. to see how long it took. And it was about four seconds, which is not too bad. Yeah, that's actually surprisingly quick. So that's 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 good to know that maybe they are aware of that, considering that they're not aware of how awful everything about iTunes is. Sure. <laughs> well, I, 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 with iTunes, I think it's more us being held hostage um, versus you know, because I, I honestly don't think that if 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 you just jumped into iTunes now, for example, and you had no concept of what it was before the previous the the, the you know the current iteration of the interface. You wouldn't know, you know. You'd 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 think it was an amalgam of all of these these other um, these other cataloging programs slash music players uh, put together um, and implemented so so. So I don't think it's that bad. The problem is we we've had the experience with the previous version of a, a more rockin' version of iTunes. So so we understand what it's supposed to look like or what we wanted it to look like in its ideal situate or in its ideal version. Um, and I remember even going through this with you know iTunes as as it was evolving. So every single version of iTunes past maybe six versions ago has gotten progressively more annoying. And I can't say worse because worse isn't quite accurate because there I, I definitely see what they're trying to do with certain aspects of the program itself. I just didn't personally like them because they strayed so far away from what the original program was supposed to do. It goes back to the thing you were talking about last week where they're now trying to cram so much crap into iTunes and make it do so many different things that it's just become a cloudy mess of unfinished tools that want to do a lot but can't really achieve anything. So this morning... I had an experience with iTunes. 
you know that I've quit streaming. So I have, um, oh, actually, I have a good thing to say about it. Is <laughs> No way, really? <laughs> uh, before how I mentioned that uh, it would show all of the music that I had added to the um, I Apple Music. Sorry, there's so many names. <laughs> to the Apple Music library, but it was just streaming stuff that I don't own. And then when I canceled the streaming, it would still show those albums. Those all disappeared finally. Oh, wow. So I don't know if they updated something or if it just took that long. <laughs> so that's that's a positive thing. But now seeing how little music I had in there, I started grabbing some CDs. I'm like, all right, let's put some music in here. Let's put some in because I didn't, I don't have anything. And I took everything out of iTunes Match Mm-hmm. that was available via streaming because I didn't want to use up that space when I was going to get it through streaming, right? Yeah. So I took an album. I, I haven't done this in years. I plugged in the disk drive into my Mac mm. and I inserted the disk and I did the whole import into iTunes thing, which surprisingly took me a few minutes, to, not a few minutes, but a few seconds to remember how to do it. Got it in in itunes very quick i was like cool awesome maybe this new update because i just had an update this week right maybe this new update is um fixing some of the bloat and then i'm looking at it and i'm going where's the cloud icon where's where's the cloud icon that tells me whether this is finished uploading in itunes match or not because basically i wanted the cd available on my phone sure and, you know, I pay whatever, it's $25 a year for that service. Uh, there's no cloud icons. So now I'm searching through the interface, searching through the menus for for maybe maybe there's a, you know, something I need to click that says add song to iTunes match. No, no, nope, no, not in any of the menus, not in any of the preferences, nothing. Now I'm Googling, now I'm looking. <laughs> After 20 minutes, I gave up and I left. And I don't think I'm ever going to open iTunes again. That's how annoyed I was. Mm. I mean, I can't even get my music. I'm paying $25 a year. I can't even get my music into my phone. Apple, what's wrong with you guys? Yeah, that seems like a a, a bizarre oversight considering how many people. I mean, it, it, because Apple's entire thing is to try to get you to exist purely in their ecosystem. But if that ecosystem is fundamentally flawed, especially for people like you and I who have been iTunes users for literally a decade um there are so many things that that we we have in those libraries from those various different versions that if we can't have access to it easily or quickly but we're just done like i i gave up on itunes a long time ago i can't even tell you it's probably been maybe a year um since i i've even opened itunes much less used it for anything useful um the only thing i use it for these days is when i occasionally produce a video or something like that that requires me to to, to download something out of my library in order to use it as background music. But other than that, I don't even touch iTunes anymore. And the, the fundamental problem I have with this whole Apple philosophy is, is there's two apples going on. That's, our, that's my big problem. If we just had one of them, I could accept them for what they are. Mm-hmm. And I don't have a problem with either of them. It's just a matter of, you know, obviously one is one way, one's the other way, and you have to make sacrifices to accept that. And and the sure. two apples that we're dealing with is the apple that wants to make everything simple that anybody can pick up and use. The mm-hmm. apple that removes features from Final Cut Pro and and pisses off all the professionals. And then you have the apple 
that's bloating things like iTunes and adding more and more stuff that nobody, even somebody who, like you said, is experienced with iTunes, can figure out how to work. Mm-hmm. So which are you guys going to be? You're going to be the feature-rich company or are you going to be the basic stripped-down company? Mm-hmm. Make up your minds because we're not going to give you our money anymore until you figure out what company you are. And considering that most of us now have more options, I mean, don't get me wrong, the options aren't great either because, I mean, if anyone who listens to the show can can find a running theme, it's the lamentation of, of Windows 10 um, and how annoyed we are at the, the updates that constantly end up screwing up our computers in one way, shape, or form. Um, but but if if at least they're consistently crappy, I I hate to say that. I understand <laughs> at, at why least, they are. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. I, at least they're broken the same way most of the time versus Apple, where you just don't know. I mean, you just, they Apple Notes still. You know why I I haven't used Apple Notes? It's because I'm scared to. Not because I don't think that it's an awesome concept and it has potential for a lot of great potential for for being a good part of my workflow. I just I I just I just think they're gonna break it. You know, mm-hmm. and and that's one of my one of my big problems. You know, it's like while I'm bailing on one app of theirs, I'm looking at another. And to be honest, like Microsoft, the reason Microsoft things are broken is because they know what kind of company they are. Yeah, they're a complex, bloated, feature rich company. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what they are. And if you if you can't accept that about them, then that's fine. They they're, they don't they're not looking for you. You're not their audience, right? Sure. And and that's why you and I fundamentally have problems with with what they do because you and I are Mac users at heart. Sure. We want we want things to work that way. Mm-hmm. We want like we've we've another theme that comes up a lot in the show is I just want things to work. Yeah. I don't have time to to soup this up. I don't have time to rev this up. You know, like I was on Facebook the other day and I saw an old friend mentioning how. Um, uh, Windows 10 is not that bad as long as you use uh, something, you know, a, a Windows optimizer and going, you know, this one's the best. And my whole thought was, why do you have to buy a computer and software and then buy some other third party thing to make it work right? Yeah. That, there's a fundamental problem there. But people who like that like that. Mm-hmm. And that's cool. I'm not that person, and you aren't either, I don't think. And I don't think most people are, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I think about even even some of the, the, the tech-savvy people that we're friends with, like, no, none of those people are going to go out and research what Windows Optimizer makes Windows 10 not suck as bad as it does. You know what I mean? There are so many people, and, and we know a lot of people in the tech. That's basically half our, our group of friends are, are in tech in some way, shape, or form. And unless you have a... A constant need for a, a UX that that is consistent or a UI that works a certain way, you're just not going to do that kind of research. You know, I look at a guy like Brandon, for example. He's a heavy, hardcore 3D rendering guy. He edits videos all the time. But I can't even see a guy like him going through and looking for Windows optimizers unless something breaks so badly that he needs the optimizer just to make his tools work again. It's just, I mean, to me, it's just a waste of time. Like, why should you have to... I mean, okay, in in the case of Brandon, for example, if he had to go get something like that because he's really putting a lot of work onto that machine, mm-hmm. I understand. You know, like if you're if you're taking your car out to the racetrack every day, mm-hmm. you kind of need to get a tune up more often. Sure. But if all you're doing is driving to the grocery store or checking your email, you shouldn't have to optimize anything. 
Yeah, and I feel like there are a lot of really critical flaws that are are very basic things that go wrong all the time on Windows 10 too. Like, you know, the the problem that we were talking about a week ago, where the USB bus would just freak out and stop recognizing USB devices. Um, you know, we we have that problem with the desktop that that Crystal's been using for um, you know her work stuff. Like, it, it would just randomly kick off the wireless card and. You know, you also had problems with the sleep feature. These these are fairly common features that people use all the time. So you would assume that at least on some level, um, the Apple or I'm sorry, uh, Microsoft would would make a concerted effort to fix the problems that affect very basic everyday use. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. Like, who doesn't use the sleep feature and doesn't use the USB ports on their computer? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. If, if you don't use those things. May I introduce you to the iPad? Yeah. <laughs> because or, or, you don't obviously need a computer. Yeah, or here is here is a rock and here is here is another rock and some kindling and you might want to try to make a fire out of that because you haven't quite discovered fire yet if you're not using USB devices. And that's why I love paper so much because you know what? When I pull the paper out, that's that I know what it does, I know what it's going to do and there's no complexity to it. It's also really good for starting fires. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's that's probably why the note-taking app being simple is so important to me is I needed digital experiences as close to the simplicity and the flexibility as paper of paper as I can get without making me have too many features to distract me. All right, so what's it going to be, man? Which which one are you headed towards? I, I, I at least on some level, I already think that Apple Notes is out just because the PC interface is so terrible and you use your Surface all the time. Especially when I have to type long passages of things like that's not going to happen. You're right. Yeah, although although OneNote does allow you some of that. Um, yeah, more the, complex formatting capabilities, you know, pagination and, and control over what goes where. Also, the sync across uh, PC and Mac is pretty good. So, is that one still in the running? No, really, it's too feature rich for me. Mm, it's okay. too distracting. I, I have no problems with the way it functions. In in all honesty, if you need a powerful note taking app, that's the one to do. Yeah. My problem is, is I'm spending too much of my life using features, adding things into notes that I don't, I'm never going to use. It's, it's like the reason I left Evernote when I realized, uh, you know, it's like I have tags, hundreds of tags. I never use tags. I never actually search for the tags. So all I really want is I just want to be able to put notes in and to be able to give it some kind of structure. So I guess I'm going with workflow, I guess, from what I just said, mm -hmm. because it's the only thing that can do both of those. Yeah, um, considering I mean, with what you're describing as the the projects that are in your your near future, having a a note taking app that that works the way you need it to is just vital to your survival. And the the problem, I guess, really like I know workflowy feature wise is 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 the closest thing to what I need. And this might sound crazy, but I think some of the listeners out there are gonna connect with this and i know you definitely are the problem i have with it the reason the only reason the other two really were in contention is the other two are really beautiful mm -hmm. yeah and it feels good to go into a beautiful app with a good user interface and it's not that workflow is ugly it's just it doesn't have the polish that simple note does for example simple notes even more beautiful than apple notes as far as on the computer um 
and Apple Notes on iOS is it's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um, it just it's so clean and it feels like okay, I'm opening this to make a note. It it feels like what it should do. Sure. And I don't know. I I'm I, basically here's what we'll do. For the listeners, in the next week, I will slowly begin migrating notes into Workflowy and using Workflowy exclusively, and I will let you guys know what happens. And if it doesn't work out, I'll try one of the others, and this could be maybe an ongoing theme of me testing notes apps. Well, I mean, I, I hear you, though, when it comes to that. Like, I, I, I keep, like, I'm, I'm literally forcing myself to use Spark um, just because it is probably the most simple but reasonably comprehensive mail client there is for the ios um but I, I, it's just still it's just still so ugly to me <laughs> yeah there's one I to abs- try I, I absolutely love it i absolutely love it but it's just so ugly to me try airmail yeah i've heard of airmail too i was thinking about that. it does everything that spark does and the interface is a little bit more attractive i've been using it for the last week you, you know, you know what I don't want to get into, Chad. You're, you're, you are now tumbling down so many different technology rabbit holes, um, and I can't imagine what that does to your, 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 your potential productivity. Um, and I'm just really scared about diving into to the same rabbit holes and trying to figure out what email client's going to work. Like if this one right now does a reasonable job and does most of what I needed to do, I think I'm just going to stick with it just because I, I, I don't want to learn something new again. You know, you know what I tried for about three days mm. after our last talk is I tried using Apple mail for three days. Mm. I said, maybe I don't need snooze. Maybe I don't. <laughs> and it was, it was okay. There's just, there's just, I don't know. It still just does not do what I needed to do, and I ended up wasting a lot of time using the app. Sure. I do love the VIP feature. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember if Spark has that. I think Spark might have that. Airmail has it. To be honest, 90% of what I need an email app to do is to hide stuff and delete stuff and mark stuff as spam. I'm not doing a lot of reading and sending comparatively. <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, I agree. I'm the same way. So those those four, you know, which is very common in, in email apps now is those four directional swipes. You know, you have the short left and the short long the and the short right and the long right. I probably said that wrong, but you know what I mean? We'll get it. Yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> um, Airmail does it. Spark does it. Um, a few of the other ones. Polymail, I think, does it. Yeah. Um that's that's essential because of the time saving right there. And because I know most of the things I don't need to open. <laughs> you know, do I really need to read this 50th email that I received from Amazon today? No, no, not really. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's... I don't know. The, the question still comes down to just how it affects productivity. I mean, for me, for example, at, at least of late, because I have a full-time job that sucks away large chunks of my time, um, I want to dedicate as much time as I can to creating. Um, just because I feel like when I don't create, it's kind of like working out. Like I feel like my, you know, when I don't work out or when I don't do anything physical, my body becomes more um, sluggish um, and lackadaisical and I feel like my brain kind of goes through the same process when it doesn't have enough stimuli at least when it doesn't have enough outflow so 
I don't want to try to figure out even more tools. I just, I, I can't do it anymore. I, I'm, I'm, I've reached some kind of weird breaking point over the last couple of weeks where I'm so frustrated with having to relearn um, new, new applications that are supposed to do certain things that I've just kind of given up and I'm just going to use what I've got for now. That's exactly why I'm bailing on OneNote. It's exactly mm. how I'm feeling. It's, it's, it's just a matter of exactly everything you just said. I don't even need to repeat it. You said it perfectly. I'm tired. <laughs> I'm tired yeah. of, of just tired. <laughs> I'm so, I just want to do things. And, you know, like the other day I turned off my phone for a few hours and that was so nice just because it's like, what am I doing right now? This, I'm doing one thing. I can't, oh, I can't get distracted because this stupid thing is turned off. And I think that's essential to creativity. And I mean, you have a note here about the pros and cons of working directly. I mean, uh, wow, pros and cons of working remotely. And I think that plays into the whole creativity thing too and the tools thing in the sense that like I need tools because I, I, I work remotely. I have to have these tools, mm -hmm. but I can't let the tools get in the way of me doing the things that are important, which happens a lot more than I yeah. want to admit. Well, I mean, when you were talking about, so remember, this is, this is something that I've been meaning to talk to you about for a couple of weeks. And I think we're finally at a place where, where it makes sense to talk about it. But so, so in your current life, you write things down in a notebook, but you then translate them over to, um, you know, some, some sort of digital medium that you can track and sync, um, with various devices. Um, but what I wanted to what I wanted to try to figure out with you was if there was a distinction between your creative work and your work work and how it differed um, using those various mediums for one or the other. Essentially, it's the same. Yeah, I, I treat I treat all of my creative stuff as work, Got so every, everything's fundamentally the same. Um. I don't know. Clarify, maybe clarify your question a little bit more. Well, I guess what it came down to was trying to figure out what interface worked best for the creative mind versus the productive mind. For example, I find that I'm uh, much more able to be creative with a pen than I am with a keyboard. Um, but when I'm writing, I like to write on something clicky like a typewriter if I have access to it. So it's, it's that 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 age-old question of which interface makes the most sense for what type of work. I I think that no matter what, and it's funny because we're a tech show, but no, paper is always number one. Mm. Nothing will ever compare to the flexibility of paper for almost everything. Um, I mean, paper can do things that you can never get an interface to do, which is, hey, I'm in the middle of writing a word. Now I want to draw a bird. And <laughs> being able to put anything on the page wherever you want, being able to go back and scribble something out, write something in the margin, all of those things. Yeah, it doesn't come out as pretty as things on the computer, and it's not searchable. But that flexibility as far as creativity is paramount. Um, second comes the typewriter for me. Mm -hmm. um, when it, The reason I like to use a typewriter when writing for creatively like a novel um is because it's too easy to go back when you're on a computer mm -hmm. and get lost in in a sentence without 
creating a flow. I, I prefer typewriters that don't have corrector ribbons. That in that way you just have to deal with spelling errors and all of the grammatical errors and everything, and it just forces you to move forward. It's the best way, even actually over paper um, and pencil, to get a first draft out because there's something. Even the sound of it is locomotion. It's movement. It's it's, sure. it's there's there's mm-hmm. something visceral about it that a lot of people have lost. Um, I think that's part of, like you said, why people like clicky keyboards. I've kind of been noticing that because, unfortunately, I bought myself a clicky keyboard, and I heard it in last week's episode when I was searching things. So I'm ser- I'm going to search for less stuff in this week's episode. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's the order for me: is paper, pen first, typewriter, keyboard, computer last. I think. I I swap typewriter and, and computer on my own side just because for me, actually when I'm writing, I like to create ecosystems for my writing as well. And I know that that sounds strange and I don't know, I, I haven't met another person in the world that actually does this, but I find that when I'm writing a certain style, I like to pick fonts and formatting based on that style. Hmm. That makes sense? Yeah, totally. Um, and so like if I'm writing a, a, a scientific not a scientific, but a sci-fi-ish short story or, you know, uh, uh, something something in that particular genre. Um, I like to go with a sans-serif font that's a little more angular um, versus, you know, doing something that's a little bit more poetic. Like poetry for me, for always, for some reason, is always a certain font. And I feel like creating that environment or ecosystem puts me in the mood to write it properly. I know that sounds strange, but it's like putting on a certain pair of shoes to do a certain activity. Nothing strange about stimuli inspiring anything that yeah. makes complete sense from a physiological standpoint and from standpoint of somebody who's a creator. Yeah, I understand. And I think part of the typewriter thing is the same thing is the typewriter is that font for me in a way. Sure, sure that makes sense. Um, do, you find, do you find that the tactile sensation also contributes to that for you? Yes, I, th- I think there's something about the battering there's because like the typewriter I, I have is pretty old so there's a, a certain amount of brutality involved in typing it <laughs> it's not smooth um it's not as bad as the typewriter i actually um grew up using which literally like i if i typed for more than 20 minutes i would have to get a pencil and start hitting the keys with the pencil because my fingers would start separating from the nail jeez uh, yeah, it was an old typewriter. <laughs> wow. Yeah, you might as well pull out a chisel and a hammer at that point. Good Lord. And that's probably part of the reason I have an affinity for typewriters, too, is um, I didn't have a computer. I didn't get a computer until I was a senior in high school. Yeah. So all of my school papers and everything, all of that stuff was done on a typewriter. Huh, crazy. So that that contributes a lot of it as well, I guess. But, you know, you got to find what, like you said, the font thing, the ecosystem, as you described it, it's about finding what works for you. It's not about, you know, people shouldn't do what I do. You know, if all of a sudden I tell people like, hey, a typewriter is great for locomotion and makes you move forward, for me, doesn't mean if you go buy a typewriter, you're going to all of a sudden be able to write Hemingway. I can't even write Hemingway, but I got a typewriter. Yeah, it's funny because I think think too few... Um, people like, I think for me right now, I'm in this, I'm in this horrible and crippling phase of writer's block in my life. And I think a lot of it is because 
I am not in the environment that is conducive to me being inspired to write. And I haven't really created that for myself. It's not that my thoughts have changed. It's not that I'm any more or less creative than I was when I was writing a lot. It just It's just the environment itself. Like for me, for some odd reason, especially when I write poetry, this is very strange. But I write poetry much better when I'm in a classroom. I know that sounds odd, but whenever I'm, I'm in a classroom and I have that desk and I have those people around me, you know, um, and there's that weird hush and, 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 and this creative energy that's kind of flowing through the room, I feel like I write poetry better. And because I can't reproduce that environment somewhere easily, I feel like I've, I've been having more difficulty writing that style. It's very strange. I, I, kinda, I, I get what you're saying in the sense that um, I think when I was younger, I did a considerable amount of writing while I was in class. Yeah. Um, it's mainly because I wasn't paying attention, <laughs> but sometimes I don't know, like there's something to be said about being put into a circumstance that you're going to tune out that all of a sudden it forces you to have a focus that you sure. wouldn't have normally had. Like, for example, you know, the best times I've ever had meditating, this is going to be weird in the dentist chair. Uh, when I'm forcing myself to breathe properly, I got to breathe through my nose because they're doing something in my mouth and I'm trying not to pay attention to what they're doing in my mouth and all of a sudden, I find myself in the most relaxed state. But what my question, going back to what you're saying, is how much of the writing block, though, do you think is is it based in fear? Fear uh, of, of making something imperfect. I don't. I don't think any of it. Um, which is funny because I, I've, I've so. You know, it's funny. But there, there's an irony to where I am in life right now, which is, you know, I've had I've had some crazy health problems lately. I've been working a ton. I have a gnarly commute. Um, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm contemplating every single day whether or not I should stay in the Bay area. So I don't have time to worry about whether or not any writing that I do is going to be good or bad. I just, I just can't get the words out. <laughs> I know that sounds really strange, but it's not any more descriptive than that. Like I, I think part of it is because all of these other things are, 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 are going on. Um, this is part of the reason why that last blog that you did resonated so well with me, which is. I there it's except I've gone in the other the, the other direction, which is I have so much stimuli in my life that are that are not creative stimuli that it just becomes really difficult for me to find find enough focus to put um, a, a a string of words together that accurately describes it. Right. Well, I mean, channel capacity is a huge thing. There's only so much that we can. We can contain it one time. If you've if you've got all of these things going on, of course you can't write because um, there's no part of your brain left to create those thoughts. Sure. And and that's going back to the top of the hour, as they would say. That's going back to the problem with these apps is I'm spending so much time with these things, just like you're spending so much time with your personal and your work life, that it's it's impeding our creative lives. Sure. And mine is more easily dealt with than yours is um, in the sense that all I have to do is download another app and stop messing with the features in it and just <laughs> deal with it. Um, but I think that focus is, a th is it's, a, it's a thing that you have to really make a choice about. Mm -hmm. You know... For example, I don't know. Uh, let me just ask you this before I continue. Do you want to share any of the details? Like, for example, 
Yeah, that's fine. I don't care. I okay. mean, it's, it's 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 nothing crazy, so it's it's fine. So you've been having anxiety, which I'm very very familiar with, mm-hmm. and anxiety is from over focusing on the wrong thing, sure. Which is you know a little chirp in your body, a pain in your chest, which most of the time is usually a muscle pain, but something in our brain tells us that it's inside of our heart and inside it's inside. Or for me, I used to get like, um, anxiety would create these like crazy electric shocks across my pecs. So it would feel like, like if you could imagine like little bolts of lightning spreading out like a hand Mm -hmm. across your pec, I used to get that. And then that would drive me into, into a panic attack. And I think that that's why focus is so important. Why focus is what it is, because focus is something that you have to control. Sure. You know, just like a flashlight, you got to tighten the beam, you got to spread the beam, depending on what you're looking at. If you're turning a screw, you want to tighten that beam in just on that screw. But if you're trying to look at a room, you want to spread the beam out. And when you're over-focusing on something that's giving you anxiety, that means that you focused yourself in a way that's unhealthy. And the fact that you don't have time to write is probably because you're eating that part of your brain up or that um, capacity of your brain up with worry and stress and horrible, unhealthy thoughts that we all have. You know, what's funny is, is I used to be, I used to preach this to people so much. And I, I find myself in a situation now where I wish I could, I wish, I wish me from five years ago could speak to me now and tell me, um, this very important state, this very important thing, which is don't worry about what you can't control. Just, just deal with what you've got in front of you and, and deal with it the best way that you can. And I think that's, that's my problem right now is that it, it's not only that I'm just focusing, but it's that I'm focusing on things that I have zero control over in my, my current situation. Um, right. and I feel because of that, it's, it's just cyclical. Um, I continue to worry about these things because they have no resolution and I continue to worry more and more and more and more until they just literally consume every, every ounce of energy or, or, or happiness that I have. And I think that's the biggest, the biggest, the, the biggest thing that, that, that I've noticed is, um, you know, physiologically, obviously there, there are the symptoms that come along with that, but I feel like the, the amount of worry that I have in my life just makes it very difficult for me to find ways to be happy. Even the things that used to make me happy, um, don't, don't really quite fit that bill anymore. Um, so for me, it's not even about looking for things that make me happy. Um, right now it's about finding things, finding ways to not stress about the things that, that, you know, obviously at some point they need care and they need to be dealt with in whatever way that they need to be dealt with. But if I can't do anything about it right now, I need to learn how to not worry about it. <laughs> you know, this is this might sound funny, but uh, there's a quote that has stuck with me for years, and I remind myself of it all of the time. It's from Van Wilder. Huh. Worrying is like a rocking horse. It keeps you busy, but it doesn't get you anywhere. <laughs> that's magical. It's It's everything. That's everything a person with anxiety needs to know right there is... Every everything with somebody with stress needs to know there is you're focusing on things that don't do anything. I so wish that we could have saved that quote for the end of the podcast. <laughs> that would have been a great way to sign off. You we know, can just as, sign off with an alrighty then. Yeah, as Van Wilder said, geez. 
Yeah, that transitions into the uh, the book that I'm reading too, which is which is a book I think everyone at some point in their life should either thumb through or own, which is um, 500 Speeches You Should Know. And there are some absolutely amazing speeches in there. Um, and I feel I, I've got that's yet another book I want to loan to you at some point. It is an unbelievable piece of, of it, 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 an unbelievable collection of speeches anyway. Yeah, that seems like a book that I would just devour. I love I love books like that. Um, not even just on speeches. Like I have 500 movies you should see. 1001 song. I love that kind of stuff. Mm hmm. Mm hmm little digestible things that I just, uh, cause I'm, I'm the weirdo. I mean, people ask me like, how do you find things to read and stuff like that? It's because I buy these things and I'm the person who actually goes and finds the things that are in these lists. How do you feel about that in, in its web format? Like, I mean, so much of our, our, our current web culture is based on the top 10 and top five lists and stuff like that. Oh, I feel like, yeah, if you're using a list as a way to market your writing, because you're like, people love lists, then you're a douchebag. <laughs> I mean, just say something. Don't don't market your your article before you make a point. If you make a point and it ends up having to take the format of a list, the message should dictate the format, not the format dictate dictate the message. And that's why you're a douche because uh, you're not a writer; you're a marketer. I'm glad you said that because I feel so strongly about. That. <laughs> yeah. I hate it. I, I detest it. I mean, I, I think that, don't get me wrong, there are times where a list is obviously appropriate, but for the most part, it, it's literally just clickbait and marketing. And I say that at a time when I'm writing an article that is list-based, but it's, that was the subject, literally, I was given. You know, I didn't really have a choice on it. And I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to title it like top 10, whatever. It's just going to be like four things, but I'm going to dig into those four things. And I think the big problem with those lists more than anything is not that it's a list format. It's that there's nothing said in yeah. the list. It's yeah. like a quick way for people to write something without ever saying anything. Sure. Like top 10 movies that I loved. And then they just list the movies, but they don't tell you why they loved them. Or they do. It's like three sentences, which is useless to all of us. Yeah. <laughs> and this is coming from a person who loves lists. I love lists because, like I said, I'm the person who digs into lists. And there's not a person I've ever met in my life who makes more lists than you two, by the way. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, as I'm sitting at my desk right now, visible and in, within arm's reach, I have the new book of lists by David Walashensky. I can't even say his name. Um, I have The Order of Things. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. 1,000 years, 1,000 people. I mean, there's books of lists everywhere here, but... The difference is that these things dig into what those lists mean. Well, not the not the book of lists. That's literally just a book of lists. <laughs> but it's weird lists, so it's cool. Like celebrity celebrities with tattoos or celebrities um well, it's not just celebrities, I should say something else. <laughs> I don't know, like, you know, books about the South and just like it's very the topics are very specific, so it's kind of interesting, but not as interesting as these other ones that really dig in. What are you speaking of that? Uh, would you qualify those as the things that you're reading right now? Mm -mm. No, I'm. Those are just on the shelf in front of me. Um, the book of lists. The reason that one's within arm's reach is because as I've switched to themes on the vlog, um, which basically means I switch to topics. Every episode has a topic. I've been looking through the book of lists just to see if it would spark any theme ideas because I'm trying to create a a bank 
of ideas so that every day I can look and go, okay, which one of these do I feel like doing? Not that I've done that yet. I just kind of decide in the shower so far. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Like today's happiness, and I'm not even sure why. Mm, Interesting. How do you make that decision? Like what prompts you to do that? Gut. Interesting. Yeah, it's probably not the answer you wanted to hear, but <laughs> it's yeah, just... well, it's, I don't think there's really an answer I wanted to hear. It's just it for for decisions like that, they usually come out of weird places, um, and they come out of odd circumstances. So I'm actually not too surprised that they're coming from your gut in that sense. Um, here's something I've never really talked about before. This is a strange thing, and maybe a little bit out there for people. But ever since I was a kid, I always had this thing where. Um, people would ask me if I wanted to do something and there would be like this split second. We're talking it happens in a nanosecond, but it's a very just concerted thought. And I, they asked me, you know, like, Hey, do you want to go to great America? And in that nanosecond, I try to see if I can imagine myself being there. Oh, interesting. And if I can't imagine be- myself being there, then I say no, because I assume that means I don't want to go. Mm. And that's kind of how I decide for the vlog. I, I'm running topics through my head, and then there's just this couple nanoseconds where I go, Is, can I imagine myself talking about that today? Yep. And I think it's just a way of me channeling my desire into something more logical. But that's essentially how I decided. That's what I mean by gut. You know, it's really funny about that. I, this is, it's hilarious that you say that because I have a very similar I have a very similar decision-making process for books and movies um, in that if, if I, in that split second when someone tells me about a movie or, or, or a show, um, I imagine myself in that environment and if it would be interesting to me. This is one of the, one of the first memories I have of that is, is, is Star Trek. Um, when I was a kid, I went to see Star Trek, um, The Wrath of Khan in, in, in the theaters and it freaked me out. But the world itself was so exciting to me, um, and it was so cool that I, you know, I, I felt like I wanted to travel the universe, basically. So that is definitely it's it's definitely part of my thought process too, as well. Which, by the way, um, total segue, completely random. Um, but Brian Fuller, who produced um, quite a few shows that I like, Hannibal's one. I forget the other one that was really, really good that I liked. But he's the guy that's doing the new Star Trek series for CBS, and I can't tell you how excited that makes me. I didn't know they were doing a new series. Yeah, I just heard, I just saw the teaser trailer like two days ago, and I, I, I was cautiously optimistic at first. I actually um, thought it was going to be a piece of garbage like Enterprise was. Um, but then I saw that Brian Fuller was the showrunner and and producer and writer, and I... I, I, I haven't been that giddy in a long time. I'm so out. excited. Yeah, it was unbelievable. I, I lost my mind because Hannibal is such an amazing show that's so well crafted to me that I couldn't imagine, um, you know, any other person in the world other than Brian Fuller running that show. But now that I hear that he's doing Star Trek for CBS, I don't even know. I don't even know what to do with that as as a Star Trek fan. Are there any? Uh... Is there any information on the concept? Like, is it an enterprise or is it another ship? It was, it, it, it's all being tightly squeezed right now. So there's absolutely zero real information. 
Um, I, I scoured the web, obviously, after that, and there's a bunch of speculation as to what it might be. But no one from CBS nor has Brian Fuller really stated what the show is going to be about. So, I mean, we're all just going to have to wait till next year and see. But, yeah, next year we're going to have a brand new Star Trek. I'd be surprised if it was anybody on the Enterprise since they're still rocking the uh, movie franchise. Yeah, I, 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 at least there's there's rumor and innuendo that states that it might link into that universe somehow. But I can't imagine them them using the Enterprise um, as their primary vessel <laughs> uh, in in both ways um, in order to to basically create the environment for the show. Yeah, that movie TV thing is really big right now. That connection thing. Yeah, yeah. You know what I would think? I I just off the top of my head, what what would be fascinating that they haven't done yet is a non Starfleet crew. Oh, interesting. What if it was a Klingon show or it was, a, you know, something like that? That might be really fascinating. Yeah. Or like a political intrigue show uh, based out of Romulus. Yeah, exactly. There's there's a lot that they could do if they really dug into it. Sure, sure. That's interesting. Or like the, the Kung Fu version of Star Trek, which would take place with Vulcans. Right. Interesting. And going back to what we were saying about like what, what you were saying about like not being able to. Ima- uh, imagining watching something and sometimes not being able to imagine doing it and then not watching it. Um, I think that's why I haven't watched Daredevil yet. I, I just can't imagine myself watching it. I see that you you saw an episode of season two, at least. Sorry, I've seen season one as well. Sure. It's, I mean, the first five movies already starts, I mean, I'm sorry, the first five minutes of the show, the first episode already starts with a huge mass murder um and so just from there they just hit it hard right away (laughs) so so it's whatever savagery that we expected from from season one which there are still moments from season one that that stand out to me as some of the best in in you know produced out of marvel in the last 20 years um notably the the fight sequence with daredevil where it's one continuous shot through that hallway um and so i i i'm i'm I haven't quite committed to the full season yet, um, nor have I committed to the full season of, of Game of Thrones, which I'm going to do for both at some point. But just right off the bat, Daredevil season two is already hitting it pretty hard, so I, I can't wait. Yeah, I need to I need to get into that, but I think I'm I'm actually slowly transitioning into the mood for it because I, I started Arrow, and I think Arrow's. I can see there's a darkness to it that it might lead me down the path of wanting to watch that season two pretty soon. Sure, sure, sure. And don't get me wrong, like I, I, I dug Arrow um, as well. I, I don't get me wrong, Daredevil's Daredevil, so it's 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 a completely different animal in a lot of ways. But Arrow, for for being a show that's supposed to be for a younger audience, is actually a pretty dark show. Mm-hmm. And yeah. there's a surprising level of complexity. I still. I'm st- I, I'm still finishing season one, so I can't make a complete. I have like four episodes left. Um, I still think that there's more complexity in Flash, even though like Flash is less dark. Mm-hmm. I feel like there was more character complexity in the sense. I, I, I agree with you because I feel like he goes on a longer journey. And I think it has a lot to do with Tom Cavanaugh's character. Um, what's his name? Doctor. Uh, it doesn't matter. Tom Cavanaugh's character has so much complexity and uh, I don't know. I'm definitely, definitely watching Arrow now getting the Buffy vibe from this one too. Sure. And then having J. August Richards show up in one episode. Yeah. Yeah. Can't have been an accident. (laughs) Not a chance. (laughs) So, uh, but it's, it's actually, it's, it's a lot better than I thought it was going to be. I didn't think it was going to be bad. 
I just didn't think I was going to transition to it well because I liked the flash so much mm-hmm. that I thought, you know, like there'd be like this inherent competition. I haven't got to the point where he shows up in one of the episodes yet, which I'm actually chomping at the bit to happen now. Mm-hmm. But, uh, the woman who plays the mother on arrow is really good. Yeah, I agree. I've seen her before. I can't remember in what, but she's a very good actress. There's such different shows though. You know, the, 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 the difference between flash and, and arrow like is so, so thorough. I feel like they're, they're two guys coming. They're, they're going to meet in the middle. Like I feel like arrow is coming from one direction and flash is coming from another and they're going to, they're, they're going to find a weird mid ground. Um, like, you know, but I forget what is the, what is the, the, the arrow characters alter ego name? I forget his name. Oliver Queen. That's right. Oliver Queen. He's going to find a mid ground. Like he's going to, he's going to learn to lighten up and be a little more happy. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It seems, it seems like that's kind of the, almost like the gist of the show. Sure. Sure. Um, actually, did you see this thing about Tom Cavanaugh? Speaking of which Tom Cavanaugh was on some podcast and basically he said, uh, Brian Singer made a mistake by not casting Grant Gustin, the guy who plays the Flash now, mm-hmm. in the Justice League movie to play the Flash. Oh, interesting. And it, it was like it wasn't a huge rant, but he went he went off for a little bit, and basically he said he's like, um, apparently, um, what they what Brian Singer had said was that the reason he didn't want Grant Gustin is because that's not the universe that they're creating. And Tom Cavanaugh said something along the lines of, he's like, I understand if you want, you know, your Flash to be a long-haired slacker. He's like, but you don't know how talented of an act, how talented of an actor Grant Gustin is. If that's what you want, that's what he can be. Everybody looks at him and sees him as this clean-cut person. They're like, but that's the Flash. That's the character he's playing. That's True. not who he is. That's how talented of an. And it was just really cool to hear an actor standing up for one of his co-stars. Mm-hmm. And then he kind of ended it with saying, he's like, but he's like, I don't think Grant would want to do it anyways, because it's not to his advantage to just keep playing the same role. Sure, sure. And I just thought it was a very interesting, you know, a lot of times there's a lot of politics in Hollywood and people keep their mouth shut. And it's interesting when people actually say something honest and pure. And especially when it's something like that, where you're sticking up for a, uh, you're sticking up for a co-star slash fellow actor. I, 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 I've, I, I just, I can't remember the last time I, I heard an actor do that. So for, I agree with you. It's such a rare and, and, and poignant thing when it actually does happen. Yeah. And I think, uh, I mean, it, it was done very diplomatically. It's not like he was ripping into Brian Singer or anything like that, sure. but it's just refreshing. It's really refreshing. You know, speaking of Brian Singer, I'm starting to seriously, I, I was such a Brian Singer fan for so long but he's let me down so many times now that I'm not sure if I like him anymore. Yeah. To be honest, uh, I'm going to be honest right now. I really can't remember what he did other than (laughs) the comic book movies and usual suspects. Like what else has he done? I don't, can't even remember. Uh, That's, 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 that's a good point. Actually. I can't remember either. And I'm actually, I kind of like that so far we haven't searched anything. I like the idea of not knowing. Yeah, and to be honest with you, I feel like it, this is one particular instance where I think if I cared enough about Brian Singer, I would search. But because I just don't care, um, he just hasn't done anything very interesting to me in a while. And like the, he he there is there are so many glaring, terrible things that happened in 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 
that la- the X Men Last Stand. Like I, I, I just I could not forgive him for that movie. Um, and I feel like, according to to everything that I've seen about Age of Apocalypse, that that it's 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 worse in a lot of ways. And I I I, I can't do it. I just can't do it. Am I confusing Brian Singer and Zack Snyder? Yes, probably. Zack Snyder, I just hate with a passion, period. But whatever. Which one is the one that's doing the Justice League? That is uh, Zack Snyder. Okay. Brian Singer Brian Singer's the X-Men guy. Okay. I had them backwards. Yeah, Zack Snyder's just a tireless hack to me. Um, and I, I, you know, other than Man of Steel, which I... Your life. So finding the things that work for you the way that you need them to work, but also you working with them, that, that there's that a reciprocal relationship between you and your tools. It's very important. So you got to audit. Like I did that with my note taking apps. You know, I've been, well, I talked in the last episode about Evernote and I think that they're doing a lot of great things. And I, as a company, I, I have a lot of faith um, that they're going to be able to pull themselves out of the funk that they've had in the last year or two. Um, actually I have a Skype appointment with um, one of the developers, one of the Evernote developers tomorrow. Um, they asked for some of my feedback on where they're going with the iOS app. Um, but I, the fact that they're reaching out to people like that, it, it says a lot about the thought that they're putting into their products. Yeah, um, it's pretty cool. How did you, was that just from the, uh, the amount of suggestions that you'd given them via Twitter? Uh, no, it's because I'm a beta, um, a beta tester. Oh, and then... Okay. Just based on my comments and uh, in the forums, mm-hmm. possibly I'm not sure. Maybe I don't know. Maybe they're listening. Maybe they listen to the show. I have no idea to be honest. Um, but my point here is, I I've been using Evernote and I was I was pretty happy. But I started auditing my system last week. Okay, what do I use this for? What do I use this for? And what I started realizing, and this is this is what I think is really important for you guys to do. And this applies to creativity, um, everything, to art, artistic endeavors of every shape, even down to your basic to-do tasks and life. Is when you're auditing, you got to look down and say, okay, what do I need to get done? How am I getting it done? And what is the specific need here? And what you're going to learn is when you're looking at these things, you're going to say, I need something that does this. I need something that does this. I need something that does this. And what you need to look at is after that is where are all the bumps? Where are all the snags? Where are all the problems? How can I streamline this? How can I streamline that? Because putting all this work in, and this, this, a lot of this comes from GTD and when you do reviews, um, but when you audit these things, by getting rid of doing the work to get rid of snags and finding the right tools and all of these things, what you're going to do when you have all of that stuff set is take all of this off your mind and then it's gone and you don't have to think about it anymore. And what I found when I was going through the note stuff was my problem with Evernote was I was using, and this has nothing to do with their development. I always, I think that the app gets blamed for bloat, but the bloat is not on the part of Evernote. I think a lot of the reason that people have problems with Evernote is because they use it for everything. And when you start using an app as a Swiss army knife, it becomes an obstacle. Um, in the sense that like, I would have a note, oh, I need to take a quick note. I would go to click the Evernote button or the, you know, not the button, but to click the app. And I would, I would hesitate. 
and I, I finally I asked myself, like, why do I hesitate from making a quick note in Evernote? And I realized it was because I didn't feel secure putting it in there because there was so much stuff in there of so many different types of things that there was a good chance that it was going to get lost. Yeah. That, that the, when you're using it, something for everything, you have no focus. And, and this goes back to tools, you know, like having something that only does one thing is actually really awesome. Sure. What's great. What's great about a paintbrush. It only does one thing, but it does it perfectly. There's no better way to paint than with a paintbrush. Paintbrush doesn't really do anything else unless you get really creative. It's like a camera too, you know, like if you have a camera that only has like three or four functions on it, I bet you take really great photos with it if you've used it long enough. Sure. Because you, you know, like getting these, we, we, we have these like this Swiss army mentality and it's just not, it's not functioning for, for most of us. So I took, like I was doing my journaling in, in Evernote and I took it out. I took the journaling out of Evernote. That was the first thing I did. And I put it into day one. And you know what? Day one is amazing. And I can't believe that I was using anything else because when I go out through the day and I'm doing things, because I, I take a journal of everything that I'm doing during the day. Um, when I come home at like six o'clock at night, it goes, by the way, you have stuff in your activity feed and it'll show me all the places that I've been throughout the day. And it saves those, it saves those, the metadata of the places I've been, the photos, places I took photos. So I can compile all that stuff, and then when I compile all that stuff into entries at the end of the night, I can write about what I was doing. Oh, I was here. I was doing this. This is what I was thinking, blah, blah, blah. And I couldn't do that in Evernote because that's not what Evernote's made to do. So by finding an app that's made to do that, now I have more functionality and less effort on my part. Um, uh, oh, man. Can we, take, can we take just a moment to give... The amazingness that is day one, it's due credit. <laughs> That's such a fantastic app. It's incredible. And they just made this update like last week that makes the uh, formatting and everything even more beautiful. I so. mean, I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I... Our time on this planet, we have learned and seen so many different things that all these choices are out there. You know, what... Sure. Why is why is uh, In and Out Burger successful? Because you have like three choices. That's one of the things they attribute to their success is the simplicity of the menu, because we are overwhelmed with choices, and we do live in a world where everything around us is a choice. Actually, think about this for a second. Think about uh, this hit me yesterday, and um, I wanted to share this with somebody. So I guess you know you guys are probably the perfect people to share this with. Might as well. <laughs> look, look around the room. Think of all the things that are vying for your attention right this second. First of all, lamb and I. Um, you could even separate that. I'm vying for your attention. Lamb's vying for your attention. Two things. Uh, maybe you're getting a notification on your phone. Maybe just the knowledge that your phone's in front of you with an app that you want to dip into. You know, like Instagram. Maybe that's vying for your attention. Maybe there's a car passing by you and you, you know, part of your animal brain has to acknowledge that car's there so that you know that it doesn't run you over. Uh, maybe there's somebody uh, walking next to you that needs to get by. Maybe you have to move your chair for somebody right now. But then also try this. Look everywhere around you, right where you are. How many logos and advertisements can you see where you're sitting right now? Mm -hmm. 
I mean, if I were to do it right now, it's going to be, I'm going to ignore all of the books that are in my room because otherwise we'll be here counting forever. I can see the Apple logo on my iPad. I can see the limousine sticker on my computer. I can see the JBL logo on my uh, little portable speaker. I see the Apple logo on the mouse. I see the Scotch brand on my tape dispenser. I see this logo on my coffee mug. I see the Xbox logo on the Xbox controller on my desk. That's without even turning my head. That's just looking down at my desk. Every one of those things is vying for your attention. That's what logos are made for, right? They're there to remind you of things. And every one of those things vying for your attention is a choice. It is a choice that you have to make on a subconscious level. Do I need to know something about JBL right now? Nope. I had to make that choice, though, didn't I? It sounds silly, but it's true. These are all things that your brain's doing. So you have all of these choices around you. So when somebody asks you to make another choice, when somebody asks you to make a piece of art like we did at the beginning of this episode, <clears throat> when somebody asks you to make a choice about whether to have a conversation with somebody or not, when somebody encroaches upon your already overfilled space with another choice, it feels like an imposition. It feels impossible. So, by acknowledging the presence of all those other choices, you can start to, in some way, weigh them. And what I mean by that is they're not going to go away necessarily. I mean, you could do something which would be awesome would be try to get as many logos out of your creative space at least as you possibly can. You know, have a minimalist creative space where there's not all of these choices being um, vaulted at you all the time. You can put your phone into airplane mode when you're doing something you need to pay attention to. And you can start to limit those things. But what you can do when I say you can start weighing these things is by acknowledging that all these things are around you. And these are minimal, minimal little choices. But when there's thousands of them, they start to weigh a lot. So you can look at it and you go, I have the choice to try sculpture for the first time, something that I've always been fascinated about. Or the I, I have the choice of whether to take a ballet class because I've always wondered if I could be a ballerina. Hmm. And then I have all these choices over here. I have the choice of, oh, do I need ink cartridges for my Epson printer? Do I all these other choices. And just by seeing those, you can understand that this one over here, the choice to do something that you've always wanted to do is so much bigger than these all these little ones. And maybe, and this is just me spitballing, but maybe by seeing the difference in the weight of those choices, you can at least prioritize your brain to make the big choice, the important choice, first. And then let whatever energy is left in your brain deal with all the little logo choices and all the phone choices and all those other things. If you can learn to eat the big pieces of the meat first, then you can worry about all the scraps later. That's such a tough, that's such a tough idea to get across to people though. I mean, because it's, it's, it's almost all the things you're describing in the world that, 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 that is, you know, just advertisement laden. It's so ubiquitous that it's just, impossible to avoid so i mean what 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 do you suggest for for people to to 
I mean, sure, you can make choices in your own brain, but I mean, how do you make that choice every single day with every single thing you're looking at? I, that's why I'm saying it's not about um, being able to get rid of it because I don't know that you can unless you are willing to move to an island in Mali or something like that. Um, mm, it's yeah, about yeah. weighing them. It's about learning to prioritize. It's about learning to deal with the important things first. You know, I've, I think I've mentioned this before. Maybe it was just an article I wrote. When you're, when you're doing your task lists, we'll talk about this in, in terms of productivity, just to take it into something more concrete than abstract of, of creativity. When you're looking at your to-do list. I agree. We're not throwing in the towel, by the way. Oh, of course not. But Mostly I, because we're jerks, but... Yeah, well, I mean, we're so we're both so stubborn as individuals that I don't think, you know, um, I, I don't think we're just capable of stopping. Even if it is something that we should both stop, we probably won't anyway because that's who we are, you know. And I think the hardest thing is when it comes to promotion and being at this point where it's like, wow, how do we do this? Um, it can come across to other people that we don't care enough to promote. And that it has nothing to do with care. It's just, wow, there is a monstrous level of a monstrous amount of effort required to get to that next level of energy for both of us and time that it's, it's, it's daunting and it's easy to, I mean, every day that I put out a vlog, I'm supposed to, you know, they say, Oh, you're so you, you want to get, um, good views. Make sure that every post you put up, when you post it to Facebook or whatever, you say something original and that makes people want to listen to it or watch it. Dude, <laughs> that does not always happen. When you've just finished editing a video and you've gone through the upload process and then you've sat and written the description and then you've put all the tags in and you've done all of the back end stuff and then you hit that little button and it's a share to Facebook. Some days, all you have the energy for is today's episode, semicolon. <laughs> or colon, sorry. Yeah. Uh, and that's to people looking at it, it's like, oh, he doesn't care about this. Why should I? Yeah, I can understand that. But I really don't have anything to say when I do that. I'm just spent. And I have to accept that sometimes those shortcomings are my own. Yeah. And I feel like. I feel like on some level too, it's, it's, you know, it's what you said earlier that people, you know, because I've gotten that too, you know, like, do you guys just not care to promote or anything like that? It's like, no, we, we have entire lives that we have to live. You know, we have to, this, this podcast doesn't pay either of our bills. So in, in, in the interim, like, I mean, it's, it's shocking that we still have the dedication to even do the podcast, despite how difficult it is for us to find chunks of time that line up, you know? So it's it you know that in and of itself is a testament to to our friendship and and the care that we have for the podcast and you know it, it's funny because i think that that one day we'll both just get to a point where it's easier for us to do it or we'll be able to logistically afford help and i think that with a lot of this stuff it's just about sheer willpower you know it's just about you and i continuing to do it because it's something that we want to succeed eventually, even though at this point we have no idea how we're going to pull that off. You know, we don't know where our, our, our new listeners are going to come from or how we're going to acquire new ones or anything like that. But we care enough to continue doing this. And I think that that ultimately is the thing that sticks with me, the thing that 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 defines what this podcast podcast is to me. And I, at least on some or to some extent, I think to you as well, you know, right. Our marketing plan is consistency. 
Yeah, that's yeah. our marketing plan. Yeah, and for now, that that what it has to be because consistency is consistency is is the best that we have for each other and the best that we have for the podcast right now. And the reason that we're talking about all this to you guys right now is because it latches on to exactly what we were talking about before. I want you guys to understand that when I'm telling you guys keep pushing, keep doing those things, all I'm not standing from a place of, you know, I'm not in an ivory tower looking down at the burning embers of the world. We're in the same muck and the same mud as everybody else. We have the same struggles. We're in the midst of it every day. So it's important for us, not just Lamb and I, but all of us, it's important for us to support each other, to push each other, to tell each other to keep pushing. Because sometimes that's all you need. Sometimes all it takes is, I don't want to record the podcast this week, I'm exhausted, and boom, comment from somebody on Twitter or on Facebook. Last episode was awesome. Sweet. Those little tiny words, you just gave me enough push to do the next episode. And that's what I want to do for you guys, too, is I want you guys to go out there and create stuff. And beyond that, too, I think it's it's really important to to push people, you know, to tell an artist that you like their work, or you know, even for a guy like for for a guy like me, like I, to hear Drew, a person who I respect so much as an artist, you know, tell me specific things about you know what Chad and I have talked about. It wasn't some kind of obligatory interest that a friend might have. It was a genuine interest in the things we talked about and 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 how we 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 analyze things, and and that to me was. Despite how hard that day was for me, it was such an uplifting conversation that it 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 defined to me once and for all, um, or at least it, it set in my mind that there was no option. I was going to do this podcast, regardless of what other things, what other obstacles I had in my way. I, I was going to do it because it meant that much to somebody else, and that's what's important. And remember, guys, creation is not easy. It's not supposed to be easy because you're bringing something into the world. Oh! <laughs>